weekend, uh, believe it or not, you might not remember, we actually had two players with triple dongs over the weekend. Before it was in, yeah, I, and I kind of forgot, but before it was Anthony Rendon, it was actually Matt Kemp who did it at the dimly lit Little League Field, Miller Park. Welcome to the show on Monday, May 1st. We're in May, guys. One month down. How was, how was April for you? It was, it was pretty spectacular, I have to say. A, a spectacle for the eyes and the ears. Oh, good. <laughs> for the dong lovers out there. We, there was a lot of offense in April, wasn't there? Uh, especially Which, this week. It's weekend. funny. There was a lot of offense in April, but I think league-wide scoring was actually down. Yeah, but from April to April or from 2016 to 17? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. From 16 to 17, it's still a little bit down, (laughs) but this weekend... Well, it it was a little down, but like, it was, it was basically last year all over again. Like, 2000 was the highest scoring year in a long time, and then came 2016 just a little behind it, and now 2015 is just a tiny bit behind 20... 2017 is just a tiny bit behind 2016. Yeah, I, I thought this weekend in particular was pretty wild, and I think we just didn't have that many aces pitching. You're going to see a lot of good ones go uh, tonight and have two starts, I think, anyway. Uh, but, you know, we had a lot of, like, mid-level pitchers and be- and, and very Barely owned pitchers, good ones like J.C. Ramirez and Jesse Hahn, at least this weekend. But not a lot of studs going this weekend. We just had a, a ton of ton of hits, a ton of home runs, a lot of multi-homer games. And we'll talk about all of that um, and who we added and who we dropped, who you're adding and dropping, who you should be adding and dropping. Who's getting excited about the line of the shields? It's a little teaser. We'll talk about that. Is there going to be a change in the Diamondbacks bullpen? But let's start with uh, me singing the who. Ren, don't be fooled again about Anthony Rendon. Uh, I just want to say, a three-homer game is fun. It doesn't necessarily mean anything for the future. Last year, Lorenzo Cain and, and Andrew McCutcheon had three-homer games. There may have been more. Those are the only two I remember. Uh, they both were doing very poorly going into that three-homer game. And over the next week, they both were really bad. Uh, Cain had a had a three-homer game, and then he batted 240 with a double in his next seven. And McCutcheon had a three-homer game at Coors Field, and he batted 207 with one home run in his next seven. They both actually got a little bit hot after that, but it really didn't change their season much. So is Anthony Rendon even worth starting this week? Uh, he's he's only, even oh, after yesterday, the number 16 third baseman of fantasy. Is Yeah, but you were... How, how started is he? He was probably being started anyway, just because he's Anthony Rendon and we know he's good and we know he's going to come around eventually. Like, well, should he be? I, I think, should he? Yeah. Will he? I mean, what reason do we have to doubt a healthy Anthony Rendon? And, and look, there are third basemen I like more. Uh, I think he was my 13th ranked third baseman coming in. So in small leagues, I guess you could call him a borderline starter. He's had one good game the entire year. He entered the game. He entered <laughs> yes, the, that's technically true. Ent- I'm serious. Like but, I'm not saying you drop him. I'm saying maybe you – look, we don't have to spend that much time on Rendon. I'm just saying like he's 69% started and 93% yeah. owned, which makes sense. But he had two doubles, no. no home runs, two extra base hits all season entering yesterday. I, I think when a player you believe in it shows – his first signs of life and they're the, this, this much life, you know, it's kind of like Jose Abreu, Abreu, the same thing. He had a two homer game Saturday, his first two home runs of the year, but it was a two homer game, you know, after kind of a, a buildup of boring multi-hit games. Well, like, at least he has these that. These guys are coming around. <laughs> not everybody, as, as much offense as we saw in April, not everybody started red hot and some of them, the ones who didn't will get hot in May. Okay. Well, Matt Kemp, uh, with the three homer game as well. Heath, who are you excited about right now? If somebody said to me, hey, Heath Cummings, or said to you, they wouldn't say it to me, said to you, hey, Heath Cummings, who should I add right now in fantasy baseball? What would your answer be? Oh, who, who am I excited about or who should I add? Cause the person I was going to say I was excited about is pretty much already owned, but it's Miguel Sano because he is just doing absolutely everything I was hoping that he would do this year. Uh, the guy that I added probably the the most, there were a couple of them. I added Trevor Bauer as a two-star pitcher in quite a few leagues. I added that, I I think Antonio Sensatella is like 80% owned, but he's like 40% owned in our leagues. <laughs> and he's got just one start this week, but it's at San Diego. This is exactly the type of place that you use him. Um, I was able to add Corey Dickerson in a league where I finally got rid of the dead weight that is uh, Devin Travis. Mm, yeah. Ah, 
I feel like I need to, I, I don't want to drop Devin Travis. I know what he can do, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drop Devin Travis tomorrow as soon as the lineups lock. I'm yeah. not going to say for who, but. Well, these are, I will some tough, these are the tough decisions you have to make in order to add somebody. And, and there are, like, this was my most active weekend on the waiver yeah, wire me by too. far. Me too. Uh, there was just so much. Like, I'm finally to the point now with Avi, Avi Sile Garcia. Like, you just, you have to own him. Like, it's, he just had his best week by far of the season after already looking like he was doing unsustainable things. So it's just, 25 year old who was thought to have upside at one point just go ahead and take that flyer um i was adding uh i added charlie morton in tout wars he had the 12th strikeout game saturday i believe it was and i wasn't moved to add him in a lot of other leagues but 15 team league with a lot of pitching on waiver wire um i i think this could be his best strikeout season uh, and plus it's a situation like I have five pitchers on the DL in that league. So I need pitching help. And a couple deep leagues, this one included, Tout Wars, 15 teams, uh, where I need pitching help because, you know, I'm just getting sunk in ERA and there's a lot of pitchers out there. Like a, a middle reliever who I think is worth our attention now in fantasy is Tommy Conley of the White Sox, K-A-H-N-L-E. Who's always had a lot of strikeout potential, but it just seemed like now he finally has the control to take advantage of it, and he's striking out like two batters an inning or something, setting up for the White Sox. So he's a he's a good deeper league ad if you're in a league where um you know if you, if you're in a league where any kind of middle relievers matter. Okay, th- Patrick a- Corbin. Oh yeah, Patrick you know, Corbin. I made sure, he was owned well, across the board. Let me jump in, Scott, because Corbin okay. is part of a big group of starting pitchers that we should talk about who are owned in like, you know, forty-ish percent of leagues to about sixty percent of leagues. So not all of these guys will be available, but most or many of them will be available in your leagues. Eduardo Rodriguez, they were raving about him last night. One of his best starts as a pro, and he struck out nine Cubs in six innings and gave up one run. Uh, Patrick Corbin, it's not just the Padres anymore. He actually had a great start against the, the Rockies yesterday. Six and a third, two hits, scoreless, two uh, walks and six strikeouts. And Corbin has a 2.29 ERA. Um, you have Joe Musgrove, who's, you know, got a couple of good starts in a row. One, one good one, one encouraging one in a row. Charlie Morton, as you mentioned. Mike Fultonevich has been doing some good things lately. He's a 2.81 ERA. Uh, Jordan Montgomery pitched better than the, the line would indicate. Bullpen kind of hurt him a little bit, but he was a bit wild. Uh, even Chase Anderson is, is off to a good start with a 210 ERA. So I don't know. I, I said a lot of names there, Heath. Uh, and I, I was a little surprised by Eduardo Rodriguez's ownership at only 56%. Anybody that I say really jump out at you is go ahead and get these. Even if you don't want to start them this week, but it's only week five. So let's, let's get some upside here. Anybody jump out at you? Well, I think that's the key with Corbin, and I already owned him in a couple leagues, but I found myself trying to find a two-start pitcher to start in his place this week because I started him last week, and you've got to bench him with only one start at Colorado. So that might hold his ownership down just a little bit. People don't get quite as excited about adding a starting pitcher that they can't start for at least another week, but I think he's done enough that he deserves it. I'm not quite as moved to get excited about Musgrove. Uh, his last three starts are against the Athletics, the Rays, and the Angels. His other two are against Seattle. I, I don't know that he's doing anything that may, I, I wouldn't drop Kevin Gosman for him. Okay. You, you actually, somebody that you dropped that I didn't mention was Andrew Triggs. You, you dropped him for Senzatella. And, uh, that was kind of interesting just because he's 62% owned Triggs and he's got a 184 ERA. And he's given up six earned runs this season all in one start. The other four starts were scoreless, and he just struck out nine Astros. So, yeah, you dropped uh, you dropped Andrew Triggs, Heath. I dropped Andrew Triggs. I don't really buy like This was a very nice start to the season. This was his most encouraging start yet. Yeah. I don't think he's actually going to be very good this year. He used a curveball a lot in this game, and, and Brooks Baseball hadn't recorded him as using a curveball at all. Prior to this one, obviously he had nine strikeouts. It was his best start. Um, so I don't know what that means, but like, if he, if we keep seeing him use the curveball and, and the strikeouts remain up as a result of that, then it's going to give me, it's going to have me looking at him differently. But I agree, I, I like Corbin more. Um, 
I like. I mean, Edward, come on, Eduardo Rodriguez. Give me some Eduardo Rodriguez. Okay, so here's Eduardo Rodriguez because I, I do want to press Heath on this a little. I feel like Eduardo Rodriguez is shaping up to be the second coming of Danny Salazar. Actually, in terms of swinging strike rate, he is fourth in the majors right now behind DeGrom, Chris Sale, who you did expect. Danny Salazar is third, and Eduardo Rodriguez now is fourth in swinging strike rate. And uh, the only issue with him is that, you know, he's walking about five batters per nine. He's He's been a little worse than Salazar as far as that goes this year. But there's a lot of similarities, I feel like, between these two. And look, if Salazar was on waivers, I'd certainly be adding him. I didn't add Rodriguez this weekend because, you know, this was the Sunday night game and my claims were done. I was moving on to other things. I didn't didn't make connect two and two there that I needed to put in a claim for Rodriguez, but I, I wish I had now. In a lot of ways this year, he's been kind of the anti-Salazar because he's got a 270 ERA and a 4-4 FIP, which is kind of uh, the reverse of what Salazar has this year. He the strikeouts are very encouraging. He's never really been a good strikeout pitcher over a full season. He's got eight strikeouts per nine over 250 career innings, even after these 23 innings with almost 12. So I think it's something to watch. But I don't believe the way he's getting results right now is very sustainable. He's got a 239 BABIP against a 90% strand rate. He'll, he'll need to cut down on the walks for sure. Yeah, like he, he can't. You, nobody's going to succeed with five walks per nine. No, <laughs> right. certainly not. Um, but as somebody that has poo-pooed Eduardo Rodriguez in the past, he'll be moving up my rankings today. Yeah, I mean, he's interesting because he's shown it in flashes, and I think injuries have sort of held Eduardo Rodriguez back. We haven't really seen what he can do with his full arsenal. His changeup was excellent last night, and uh, that would definitely be somebody I'd be looking to pick up. Uh, I, I definitely... I'm not looking to pick up Delano to Shields anymore because I'm all about Delano to Shields before everybody else was about Delano to Shields. Uh, <laughs> he, he led off twice in a row against the righty. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I don't know why Delano to Shields, if, if he plays consistently and leads off, why is he not Billy Hamilton? Why would he not even be better oh. than Billy Hamilton? Cause he's probably a better hitter than Billy Hamilton because yeah. Billy Hamilton can't hit. I don't know that you can expect anybody to run as much as Hamilton does, but I do agree he's a better overall hitter. I mean, Delano DeShields walks a lot. I think right. it's it's actually four straight games overall that he's let off. DeShields has, um, you know, and, and you know, just playing four straight was a, was a hurdle before that. And he has like five walks, uh, five hits, three, four steals during those five games. And he's still, what, owns single digits? Uh, I'm not even sure. I'll check. I think the difference is like Cincinnati's committed to Hamilton, even if he does struggle, which he's done his entire career. DeShields sure. probably has to hit a little bit to stay in the lineup, but that, well, I mean that's he, a big difference. That's that describes all the difference in ownership. But if you're just talking about upside, he's nine percent owned. He's got to be a lot of differences. The, one of the major differences is we've seen Billy Hamilton steal 50 bases three different times in the major leagues. And I don't know that I'm as confident that Delano DeShields is going to be a good hitter. We're still talking about a guy with 700 career plate appearances and an OPS below 700. He's still striking out plenty. The walks are nice, but he's still striking out 26% of the time, which is what he did last year and worse than his career number. He has absolutely no power, so that's like Hamilton. Yeah, no, look, but, I, I don't know that he's a good hitter, Heath. I just think he's probably a better hitter than Billy Hamilton. But he's not as good yeah. of a base runner. I, I'll wrap it up because we got so much to talk about. Y- you don't have to fall in love with the liner to Shields. I just think 9% owned is, is way too way too low for a leadoff hitter, a potential leadoff hitter for the Rangers who is going to steal bases for you. So this is what we were expecting going into the season. It only took a month for it to happen. Thank you finally for making Delano to Shields your leadoff hitter, Jeff Bannister. Um, let's talk about some at, other- at the worst. At the very worst, I think he's as impactful as Gerard Dyson, who's forty-six percent owned. Just a comparison there. Okay, there you go. Let's talk about uh, some other players and, and bullpens, right? I picked up J.J. Hoover after watching Fernando Rodney completely melt down on Friday night or Saturday night, uh, and they're sticking with him for now. But he's just not a good pitcher, okay? I think, like, dating back to the All-Star break last year or something, he's got, like, a 9 ERA. Yeah, he's basically giving up a run printing. He's not good, and we know it. And that team is really good. So, or I think they're going to be good. At least they have yeah. been. They have been, yeah. So it's exciting. And then I just didn't know if I should pick up Hoover, if I should pick up Archie Bradley. I didn't know. 
I think Bradley's going to end up in the rotation. So what's your read on on this situation here with Shelby Miller out for the year with Tommy John? I think the most likely situation is that Bradley ends up in the rotation. I don't I don't really have a lot of interest in JJ Hoover. He was terrible in a short period last year. He was okay in 2015. He was awful in 2014. Like I I don't I agree with you Fernando Rodney is not a good pitcher. I don't think JJ Hoover is a good pitcher. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Let me just read something that I big... let me read something that I just saw uh, as I did a Google search. Archie Bradley is going to remain in the bullpen. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say. I don't know how long though. And and, and that that's a recent one. That's in the last couple of days. Fifteen hours ago. That. Yeah. But um, eventually they might move him. But if they keep Bradley as the cl- if they make Bradley the closer, that would be very exciting. Yes. I think Bradley's the one to add because there's the possibility that he enters one of two fantasy-relevant roles. And I think it's inevitable that he does enter one of those eventually. So, I, I mean, I agree with Heath. I don't know that Hoover's really a solution. I don't know that anyone in the bullpen is a solution except maybe Bradley. Do you think Joaquin Benoit should be added after Hector Neris melted down in, in Los Angeles and gave up three home runs? If saves are scarce in your league, yeah, I would— I, I think it's at worst a 50-50 shot. Benoit gets the next save chance for the Phillies. Because okay. he only blew it once, and he's been great since then. Any other players that we feel are must-ads right now? How about Lewis Brinson with, with Ryan Braun a little dinged up? I wouldn't call him a must-add, but he's among he's probably my second favorite minor leaguer to own right now after the, the obvious Yohan Makata. Would you rather uh, have Bellinger? Because Bellinger's going to get sent down later in the week when uh, Peterson comes back. I would, uh, Bellinger or who? Brinson. I guess I never finished the question. Well, okay, yeah, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Bellinger. Yeah. Presumably he's going, I mean, they've, they've said the idea is to send him down, but then he had a two homer game right after that. And they said, okay, yeah, we'll still send him down. But they kind of left the door open a crack. So I've, I've been reluctant to drop Bellinger in leagues where I have him just until it's like official. He's back in the minors. I am shocked, though, that Michael Conforto is only 59% owned. I'd rather own him than Bellinger. I'd rather own him than I, – I dropped Kendris Morales for him in one league, whose ownership is, is almost universal. Uh, I don't know why we're so slow to the draw with Conforto. Lucas Duda just suffered a setback. Obviously, Cespedes is down. And the way Conforto's hit, I have a good feeling he's going to stay in the lineup even when everybody's healthy. Boy, the Mets are a mess, huh? How about how about Syndergaard yesterday? I'm ridiculous. Gosh, you know, I I said on Friday's show I don't often get angry at management <laughs> for for decision. You know, you can't you can't predict the future kind of things. But like this was so predictable with Cindergard, and after the, what they just went through with Harvey and and Gazelman last week, I can't I can't believe. <laughs> like, how could they value their pitchers so little? It blows my mind. They're just trying to teach toughness. <laughs> well, I mean, it's partially Syndergaard's fault for not taking the MRI. He refused it, it to take the MRI. It shouldn't be his decision. You can't let – I mean, players are emotional. They want to play. I mean, that's that's always been true. You can't let him decide whether or not he gets an MRI yeah, if you think, think there's a problem. I think you kind of have to let him decide whether or not he gets an MRI. I don't think you have a lot of choice in that matter. What do you mean you don't have a lot of choice? You can't make a player get an MRI. Yeah, you can. I, you I can say, know. well, okay, you're going to sit until you get one. I guess you yeah, can do that. I, I don't know that you do that with Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> you could say, you're going to get an MRI or I am going to turn the car around. You, you could put him on the disabled list. <laughs> That's probably what they should have done. What do they should have done with Cespedes before he re-injured his hamstring. There, there, there are, are there are a mess. million things they could have done rather than just stick him out there and take his word for it. Like They, they let him self-diagnose. Their most valuable asset with, with his most valuable appendage and they let him self-diagnose. That's that's just that's crazy. It's did you, crazy. Did you see the video of Cespedes taking batting practice and and like being in so much pain, his hamstring? Yeah. yeah. And then they were just like, ah, okay, you're in the lineup. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, and they're not. Like, I know it's fun to point and laugh, haha, Mets. I mean, they're usually good. They've put together a good roster. We all picked them to make the playoffs. They're not. They're not dummies there, Did but I pick like the there was just such an absence of common sense over the last two weeks, and it's like, like you don't learn from your mistakes just a few days earlier. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, like, it was bad. It, it was drives bad. me nuts. So Cindergard is not officially on the DL yet, but it would be 
pretty surprising if he were not. Uh, we'll get to the news and notes in just a second. Freddie Freeman said, quote, I think it's a bad li- little league field. I can't see anything here, end quote, about Miller Park. Was, uh, Heath was very upset about that. that. That was right before he hit a home run on Sunday at Miller Park, right? Uh, he has like, great stop, numbers. Stop whining. He hit a home run. I, I think he hit two over the weekend at Miller Park. Yeah. Uh, I, would, know, I, I think he said that before Sunday's home run. He did, okay. yeah. And then he hit the home run. I, I guess I would just say that if anybody's going to make comments about what Little League should look like, it would be a brave. <laughs> you are a, are you now that the Royals have lost nine in a row? Are you officially a, Bre- a Brewers fan? All in, all okay. in on Miller. I'm not not even a Brewers fan. I'm just a fan of Miller Park. <laughs> you like the dim lighting? I wish the Brewers could be the only team that gets to play 162 games at home. I mean, obviously, the dim lighting is a huge issue for hitters since it's been like the best hitters park in well, baseball for he power did, hitters. He did say a dimly lit little league park, which would suggest it's small and easy to hit home runs, right? Yes, yeah. he did. What a whiner. Wait, I'm going to get Freddie Freeman's career numbers at, at Miller Park in a second. Is there anyone else that really stood out over the weekend that we have missed? That we Josh Bell. About? I added Josh Bell in a couple leagues. He is finally heating up. I think he has three home runs in his last seven or eight games. All, all, all three. Uh, no, he has four, four home runs total. But uh, recently there have been a lot. 10 walks to 16 strikeouts, so he's doing exactly what we hoped he'd do with plate discipline. And if there's any power there, that's going to translate to big production and fantasy. I think uh, I think we're seeing the start of it. He is somebody who, fortunately, I didn't have to cut Bellinger for him. I figured out somebody else I could cut instead. But if push came to shove, I would cut Bellinger for Josh Bell because we're talking about two rookies, two highly regarded rookies, one sticking around and is the hotter of the two, and has better peripherals than Bellinger, too. Well, Bell is 48% owned, and he had a shoulder injury, or it's shoulder surgery, right, that kind of delayed his spring. I think it was knee. Oh, knee, I'm sorry. So he got off to a terrible start, and now he's batting 257 with four home runs, 11 walks, 16 strikeouts. That's Josh Bell, another guy that, you know, if if you're just looking at a corner infielder uh, or a first baseman, how about Josh Bell or Yuli Gurriel? Both of them playing pretty well right now, and that's a lot of rhyming. Wow. I like Bell. I mean, the Gurriel's been hot and he's usable and all that, but it's it's been kind of a hollow batting average situation for him. He's only walked once all year and hasn't shown a lot of power either. I we talked about him a little bit and just mostly dismissed him last week. I added uh JC Ramirez in an AL only league. I don't understand exactly what's going on with him right now. But he deserves more consideration than he's getting, at least. Now has 25 strikeouts in his last 18 innings. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. I don't really want to add him in a, a standard league, but a deep league or an AL-only league, he should be owned. Yeah, so that's J.C. Ramirez who's pitching for the Angels and is is 3% owned. And there's, <laughs> there's one other guy uh, that I wanted to mention, and that is Jesse Hahn. And I'm just going to give you Jesse Hahn's ERAs in his first three seasons. 307. 335 and then 602. So he was terrible. Uh, but in 2000, in last year, but in 2014 and 15, when he had a 307 and 305 ERA, he had a, a, a solid whip and like around 1.2, a little under 1.2 combined. He hasn't pitched 100 innings in a season yet, but Jesse Hahn is 18% owned and maybe he's, maybe he's a solid pitcher. What, what do you think? I mean, he, he was clearly not the same guy last year that he was in 2014-15 and it looks to be this year. A part of that is the fact that he, he had a 68% strand rate and a 320 BABIP against and he's been like a 270 BABIP against guy. The thing that's not the same this year though is he was a pretty decent ground ball pitcher back when he was good, decent in 2015. He's, he's not been that at all so far this year. So. I'm a little confused on him, but he's in that same class of guys that should be. What's his ownership now? 18. He should be higher on the net. Jesse Hahn. Okay. So I think a lot of of pitchers emerged as, you know, guys you could pick up and maybe stash or start, and depending on your situation. Even though there was a lot of offense, we got encouraging performances from Charlie Morton. We're not. We're not really buying into Charlie Morton, are we? Like I saw Scott's tweet. You weren't that impressed with his. His 12 strikeouts, he did give up four runs, by the way, against Oakland. Yeah, two home runs to, I think, both to Chris Davis. Um, it, it, it kind of felt more like, uh, 
uh, oh man, who was that guy who just struck? Oh, Dan Straley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of felt like one of those situations. Now, if he goes out next time and strikes out eight or nine, there probably is going to be a mad dash for him. But the, the league I picked him up in, it was a league where there's like, again, I have five pitchers on the DL and there's not really any good starters out there. So just, I think a decent person to compare Morton to, and Scott will probably say Morton, but Morton or Jason Vargas. Um, I would rather have Jason Vargas right now. I would rather have him right now for sure because Vargas' two-start week last week got turned into a two-start week this yeah. week. But for the long haul, I think they're probably going to be relatively similar. I do think Morton will be, in the in the long run, he'll be the better strikeout pitcher. But I'm not confident either will be a particularly good strikeout pitcher. I had a theory that Morton would struggle third time through the order. And so far, it it has... It has come true. He has an 1174 ERA a third time through the order. However, opponents are only hitting 267 with one home run third time through the order. So maybe he's just been unlucky. Maybe he's leaving and the bullpen is giving up runs. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so I was a little encouraged by the, by the fact that opponents are hitting 267 against Morton with a home run third time through the order. Maybe he'll get better in that area, be able to pitch deeper into games and have more success. Uh, all right, we'll take a look at the most added list in just a second. I do need to tell you a couple things. One, we have two new podcasts that I think you'll find very interesting. If you like wrestling, MMA, boxing, we have it all rolled into one podcast in this corner. It's called In This Corner with Brian Campbell, who is just awesome. Uh, he's got Adam Silverstein on there. He brings guests on, and uh, he, he interviewed Alexa Bliss not long ago. In This Corner with Brian Campbell, and we have a golf podcast that's launching today or tomorrow – so you have to wait a little while before you find it in iTunes and Stitcher and tune in anywhere. It's called The First Cut with Kyle Porter. The First Cut with Kyle Porter. Uh, that should be a lot of fun too. I think it's going to be a much different, different type of golf podcast than what you're hearing from. They're going to make the, what you're used to hearing there. They're going to make that a lot of fun. Uh, and look, the, the first month of the baseball season was a fun one. I would have loved to have gone to a game. I, I didn't, but luckily we've got five more months and luckily we can save 10 bucks on tickets with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app, everyone, or go to SeatGeek.com and use our promo code FANTASY. That's promo code FANTASY, all caps, to get 10 bucks back after your first ticket purchase. Look, buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but not with SeatGeek. SeatGeek lets you buy and sell tickets in just two taps. It searches multiple ticket sites to compare prices, find amazing deals, and SeatGeek grades every seat so you can see the best values, and, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And I know you want 10 bucks off your first purchase, so just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY. That's promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, the uh, most added players in CBSSports.com list. Uh, Wade Miley is number one. That's interesting. He just came <laughs> off a two-star week. Well, actually, it was was He's most added right now? Yeah, that's why I feel like I'm looking at the wrong list. Yeah, it's gotta be. Well, I don't. I don't know how far back it gauges. Yeah, like it would have made sense that he would have been most added last Monday. You know. Yeah. Heading into a two-star week. Right, uh, anyway, was... I don't think you need to bother with Miley anymore. Uh, you uh, know, I was. I watched him yesterday, and he was wild. Uh, he yeah. three had a three had three starts already with five walks or more. But I, I, I'm buying the strikeouts a little bit more uh, based on what he's doing. Um, he looks like he's got a pretty good slider, a curveball, uh, looks improved. But yeah, I don't know, the walks have been terrible. I, I'm not sure I'm dropping him yet. I, I was never really that into him to begin with. I mean, obviously, if you're talking a 15 team league or deeper, there's probably not a lot to drop him for, but. Yeah. You know, if you, if you just picked him up because, okay, this guy's hot, he's making two starts, let's see where it goes. I think we've seen where it goes, and I don't like it. I'm just gonna cherry pick from the most added list here. Uh, Starlin Castro is now 82% owned. He continues to have a great start. He's a Yankee, so, you know. Uh, anybody buying it? It's been a little bit long. Well, I think he had a great April last year, too. I'm not sure when <laughs> Castro got cold. There, there was a lot of true Yankee talk thrown around about him last <laughs> April. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite buying it. I, I mean, I'm not buying it, but I think 82% owned sounds just about right for Castro. He's should be universally started in roto leagues sure. um and he's like if you had injury issues in the middle infield he's not a bad option in a points league yeah he batted 305 
with uh, three home runs and a 488 slugging in April last year. Castro's off to a much better start this year. I just want to say something in case we don't get to it about Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge tied two players for the rookie record for most home runs in April. Those two players are Jose Abreu and Trevor Story. And if you think about the rookie seasons they had, I know that Story's was cut short. That's a really encouraging sign to be in company with with Abreu and Story, who very recently had great Aprils and and had great rookie seasons. And Judge is walking a lot. He's locked in right now. He also, by the way, if you recall, on a Sunday night baseball game against the Cardinals, he had a home run taken away from him on a terrible replay review. So he should have set the rookie record for home runs in April. And uh, is is Aaron Judge going to be, by the end of the season, going to be one of the great draft day steals? I think so. I think I'm already willing to classify him as that. You know, we had, um, you know, just kind of to put in perspective what kind of enthusiasm there is surrounding him right now in a, a league where there's only a weekly waiver run, 10-team league, head-to-head uh, points. Um, he somehow hadn't been picked up before this monster week. Weekly waivers, so, you know, there's a bidding war for him now. Um, and you have to conserve dollars in that format. I, I bid $16 on him. Somebody bid 27 more than a quarter of their budget for the whole season when there's going to be waiver wire battles every Monday. Um, and, like, you know, you can't blame him. They, like, he feels like, you know, averaging 417 feet on his home runs. Like, the kind of shots this guy this guy's hitting are, are comparable basically to, to like Giancarlo Stanton. He's Stanton. And he looks all the like concerns <laughs> we had about the strikeouts coming in yeah. deservedly because he struck out like 45% of the time as a rookie and well in his first showing last year. Yep. He's down to like 25% now which is not great but like a lot better than like the, the like Miguel Sano even. So uh, yeah I think he's I think he's somebody you're going to just keep in your lineup and trust to hit a lot of home runs. Okay. Aaron Judge is slugging 750 <laughs> right now, and he's 94% on. Look, as far as the most added list goes, we've talked about a lot of these guys, so I think we can, I think we can move on and uh, talk about the, the big news. Adam Eaton is out for the season with a torn ACL. What is your interest level in Michael Taylor? Deep Roto Leagues. He's, uh, we've been here before with Taylor, and it's always ended poorly. Miguel Cabrera could be back on Tuesday. Madison Bumgarner expected to be out until after the All-Star break, right around the same time as Starling Marte. Zach Britton, not sure if I'm going to start him. He had an outing on Friday, Zach Britton, and it didn't go well. It was He, he labored. So he threw again yesterday, and it was a lot better. He's going to accompany the team to Boston, but they don't know when they're going to activate Zach Britton. So, I don't know. You might want to leave him on the DL for one more week. But I'll tell I you would what. prefer to do that unless my other options are just like, if my only other option's Brad Brock, then I'm probably starting Britain. I think I might start Jim Johnson over Zach Britton this week. Uh, they really missed Zach Britton this weekend, though, so so that job is <laughs> just waiting for him. Look, Gary Sanchez could come off the DL this weekend. And mm-hmm. so you don't want to start him, but this weekend he should be back. Sonny, I, I, I started him in a league just because I wanted to free up a roster spot oh, by getting rid of the worthless catcher I picked up to fill in for him. Sonny Gray is a two-star pitcher, and he's got uh, the Twins, and he's at Minnesota and, and home against Detroit. Should have Cabrera back by then. That's Sunday. Uh, starter sits Sonny Gray, who's 73% owned. Sit. It's nice that that first matchup is against the Twins, but we have no idea what to expect from a guy who was just miserable last season and, and didn't look good this spring before getting hurt. I am starting Gray in one league. I would much rather be sitting him, but I think I had, if I remember correctly, I had like Gray and Patrick Corbin at Colorado and somebody else that I really didn't want to start, and so I'm going with Gray. Okay, uh, Aaron Sanchez left after one inning with a split fingernail. He's been having issues with that fingernail. The Dodgers plan for now, they, it's flexible, but they plan on keeping Rich Hill in the rotation. And Ryan, Do the Dodgers know how many pitchers that they are, most teams have in their rotation? Because it sounds like they're planning on keeping everyone in the rotation, and they've got like nine starting pitchers. I, Maeda kind of screwed them up this weekend because he was awesome. And Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah, yeah, nice he, had, he, had he was good too. Start, yeah. 
You know what, what's interesting about Maeda is, you know, I, I knew that they had pushed him back a day to get Arias in the rotation, so I thought, okay, well, maybe Maeda just, he had the extra rest, and he just, you know, he's adjusting, didn't adjust very well from the Korean schedule and, and keep him on five days rest. Well, he's only made one start on four days rest this season, Maeda, and he's got a 650-80 RA. So that yeah. has not been the issue. He had a great start against the Phillies, so who doesn't? Uh, and he wasn't terrible on four days rest last year. He was worse than on more rest, but it wasn't bad. Uh, yeah, last year, Maeda had a 397 ERA on four days rest and a 301 ERA on five days rest. So one extra day led to almost a run less. And well, how many, how was he on eight days rest? Cause that's what the Dodgers <laughs> current plan calls for. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, any hitters that we need to talk about? How about Scott Shebler, guys? Or uh, Kevin Pillar and yeah. Scott Shebler. Are, are you buying into either of those guys? I mean, I'm buying into Shebler being picked up because he's 12% owned. Yeah. Like, he's, he has eight home runs on the year and he's 12% owned. That, that shows you just how, uh, how the, the value of a home run has been deflated by the April we just saw. Cause six righties on the schedule for the Reds this week. So if nothing else is a one week play, I like Shebler. Would you drop Hunter Renfro for Scott Shebler? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather own Delino to Shields or Kevin Pillar? Oh, that's in a roto league for sure to Shields. In a points mm-hmm. league, I'm sticking with Pillar. What if it's yeah, a roto? What if it's a roto? I mean, like in a points league, you probably don't need Pillar, but a little more trustworthy, I guess. What if it's a roto league with, with OBP, Heath? I'm probably, like, it's gonna depend on my team construction and what I need. I don't find myself right now searching for steals that much. Well, Pilar's not really an OBP guy anyway. He right. doesn't walk much. I mean, he, he might be a better OBP guy than DeShields, but. Not by much. Uh, DeShields walks though. You just think his batting yeah, average is like, like, but DeShields could hit 260. Yeah. It's just, or, or less. He could hit 240, whatever. Um, but even in that case, I feel like the OBP would be close. Sure. Okay. Uh, look, man, Darno had a two homer game. Zimmer, Ryan Zimmerman. Jeez. Uh, yeah, somebody asked me when the, when the Thames watch is going to be replaced by the Zimmerman report. So I think that's a great question. <laughs> Did you see the video of Thames fake charging a Korean pitcher over the weekend? No. It was a video from when he played in Korea. You should Google it. It's awesome and it definitely deserves its own spot atop the Thames watch. What should I Google? Thames. Uh, Thames fake charging? Fake charging pitcher. It's it's pretty outstanding. There was a suggestion that he should do that the next time he faces John Lackey. <laughs> yes. Uh Chris Davis homer twice. Chris Davis with a K. Jose Abreu, Brett Gardner, Cody Bellinger, Matt Wieters, Domingo Santana. They all had two homer games. Carlos Gomez hit for the cycle. And I noticed Jed Lowry is hitting pretty well right now. Does that uh <laughs> matter at all? Sorry, I was just watching it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to watch it now. That's fine. Uh, I don't know that the Jed Lowry thing matters a lot. I do think the Domingo Santana thing may have mattered a lot because he and Keon Broxton were kind of in a competition to who, see who could be the most disappointing <laughs> young starting outfielder. That is great. Sorry. And Go ahead. I, I think uh, we need that power from Santana. And he's not – like he's hitting 197 right now. He's got a 191 BABIP. Yeah. He's cut his strikeout rate down quite a bit from last year. I, I would say if Santana continues to, if his peripherals continue to look like they do right now, he'll be okay. He might be Shebler. Hey, oh, I, oh, important stuff. I would stuff. still take Santana over Shebler rest of the season. Okay. Important stuff other than this video, which is amazing. Ian Desmond is back. He started in left field on Sunday. Gerardo Parra sat. Now there was a lefty on the mound, but Reynolds has, has certainly done enough to stay in the lineup. Do you think Basically, Reynolds and Para become a platoon, and Desmond goes from left field to first base, depending on, you know, who's lefty or righty. I don't think it'll be like a strict platoon. I I suspect Reynolds will start the most, even though he's the right-handed batter of those two. But Para will jump in there sometime. And I don't think it'd be a bad thing for them to get Carlos Gonzalez or Charlie Blackman a day off every once in a while. There, I'm I'm okay sticking with Reynolds. At least until Dahl gets back. Well, how do you feel about Para? Because I might have to drop him in a five outfielder roto league, and I'm I'm not thrilled about it. And actually, it's going to come down to him or Carlos Beltran. But I can't see myself dropping Beltran, even though he might I, be done. Yeah, I don't know that I'd hesitate to drop him in a roto league, even when he was playing every day, because he's mostly batting average. I mean, Para, you mean? 
Par, yeah. yeah. I, listen, dropping guys that you don't want to drop is just par of the game. <laughs> uh, Zach Cozart has moved into the number two spot in the Reds lineup, and Jose Peraza is now batting seventh. Yeah. Yeah, I dropped Peraza in a points league. I yeah. I think he may have been the one I decided I could drop instead of Bellinger to get Josh Bell. Because he's lost a little bit of playing time to Scooter Jeanette too, right? Like um, he's not even playing every day. He's playing quite a bit. But, that. but like Roto Leagues, I got a few questions, Um, you know, this weekend. Should I drop? You know, I, I recommended, okay, you need to go out and pick up M- Michael Conforto after his two-homer game. And... You know, I got a lot of, well, can I drop Jose Peraza for him? Or even if it wasn't Conforto, if it was David Peralta, can I drop Jose Peraza for him? And it's like, I mean, in a vacuum, I could see how the Confortos and Peraltas of the world would be more valuable. But at the same time, if you own Peraza in a categories league, you probably drafted him with the idea he's going to carry you in steals. And I still think he probably is your a better bet than anybody you're going to find on waivers. So you may just be stuck with them in that case. And I just want to point out, like, you know, not to toot our own horn, but we're the bet. No, uh, we, uh, <laughs> we've been telling you to pick up Michael Conforto for weeks now. And I, now it's up to him to perform. I hope he does, but he's batting lead off and he's good, I think. So hopefully you, you know, hopefully you took that advice. And if there's another guy, that's why I'm always trying to get ahead of the game. And that's why I wanted to talk about the Shields is that I could see the potential of him certainly being on the most added list soon. If there's another guy that right now you think is, and we've probably said him already, that right now you think is Michael Conforto from a few weeks ago, who do you think that guy is? Well, the one who immediately comes to mind for me is Bell. I feel like I'm beating the rush a little for Josh Bell, so he's 48% owned. Okay. Heath? I, You know, we just talked about him, and I, Scott has never liked him as much as I do, but I, again, I'm pretty encouraged by Domingo Santana's profile. And if he's a 25% kind of like what I say about Souza, if he's a 25% strikeout guy, then he's going to be very useful in fantasy. Okay. Uh, let's talk about some pitchers. Oh, by the way, Xander Bogarts has been leading off with Dustin Pedroia batting sixth. That's pretty interesting. And uh, a couple of eligibility updates. Kendris Morales is first base eligible, and Jose Reyes is shortstop eligible, and he's playing better lately. So if you're desperate, you yes, couldn't have played is. any worse. Yes, uh, I uh, I like him. I actually think we should start him over Guriel in the For the People podcast league, Adam. What do you think of that? Uh, let's take a look at the matchups. I, I still think there's a chance that Jose Reyes is completely done. As we suspected, <laughs> he was two years ago. That, he brings a lot more of a, a, a varied skill set to the table that Guriel lacks with his hollow batting average. I will say my top ten sleeper hitters for this week, that list does include Reyes. It does not include yeah. Uh, speaking of that league, I did want to. I'm sorry I didn't do this at the top of the show. Congratulate you guys you. on moving out of the cellar this week with an inspiring. Was it was it a tie this week for you guys or lost by one? It, we lost by one, I think. Okay. It, was, <laughs> it was not an embarrassing. It was I'm a moral thrilled. victory at the very least. Yeah, very yes. Not in last place anymore. Well, we got uh, we got Ian Desmond back now, buddy, and Sonny yeah. Gray is coming off. Sonny the Gray up. back. Leo Arias is up. We can't. We can't fit everybody who should start in our lineup anymore. It's, well, I, we're, we're judging by your record, I think you have some guys that could afford to sit. Adam prodded me into picking up the line of the Shields. That's right. Yeah, we're, things are looking up for scam. <laughs> we're, we're sitting Mike Napoli. But, you know, that's the thing about being in last place is you, you can't go down. <laughs> I mean, when Brian Dozier and Robinson uh, – Brian Dozier and uh, – and Edwin Encarnacion were our first two hitters. We took Kershaw and then those two guys. And yeah, Gregory like, Polanco was our third hitter. I thought Segura was. Uh, you may be right. Yeah, so. Well, he, and he spent, you know, two weeks right. on the DL, so. Yeah, you're gonna be, you're gonna struggle with, when that happens. Anywho, uh, pitchers. <laughs> Heath, are you ready to concede that Dallas Keiko is going to win the Cy Young? No. <laughs> are you I've slowly and surely yeah. moved Keiko up my rankings? I don't know if he'll move up any more today. I've got him right around number 20 starting pitcher. I, this was a very good start for him. He has had six good starts in a row. Yes, and seven innings or more in all six of them, and a 121 ERA, and uh, good stuff from Keiko. What very did you, reminiscent of two years ago. His April was very much like this two years ago. What did you think of uh, Kyle Hendricks last night with six innings, three hits, two runs, three walks, six strikeouts at Boston? 
Holy cow. Can we go back to Keiko for just a second? Oh, yeah, sure. And I, this is not to besmirch the good name of Dallas Keiko. I don't believe that. A, I don't believe that. I believe it is to besmirch. 186 BABIP against. Of course. 98.7% strand rate. Well, how many guys are actually getting on? That's like, like <laughs> yeah. three guys. There's like five guys and four of them, or, or ten guys and four, and uh, nine of them were stranded. No, I mean, I look, mean, you can't look at a guy, guy who has a 120 right. ERA and exactly. April has a low BABIP. I don't think is revelatory. Okay, but 186 isn't a low BABIP. It's, it's like it's, holy cow. It's early season nonsense. I, I bet his I bet his BABIP two Aprils ago was ridiculously low too. Can we look that up? Is that possible to look up? Oh yeah, I I can look it up right now. Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. Two Aprils ago, what was Dallas Keuchel's bad? But look, he's so good, and and he is throwing everything down in the zone so consistently, and he fields his position so well. That is such an underrated thing with him because I was watching again yesterday. The way he fields his position really helps him, and uh, I just I'm a I'm just smitten with Dallas Keuchel right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for Scott for for also being split. Uh, two years ago, he had a one fifty six, one fifty seven BABIP in April. Ah, so he's he's more believable now. There uh, you go. Well, he was only striking out five batters per nine. Now he's all the way up to seven. So I guess he is. <laughs> he's gonna win the Cy Young. Like there's he's not. No <laughs> I'm question. I'm not willing to go that far, Adam. Who's gonna? It's either gonna be him or Sale. That's it. There's only two yeah. options. It, Sale would have to be the front runner right now. Sale can't get a win. That's the only okay. important stat. Man, he would be my front runner right yeah. now. Blah. That's like, fine. You, you don't want Keiko more than Sale in fantasy, right? No, I'd, I'd want Sale, and Sale's okay. the, the Cy Young front runner. But but the win loss record. Look, we knew going in that the Red Sox had a terrible offense, and Chris Sale wasn't going to get any run support. <laughs> okay, we should have figured that out. Um, and what do you think of Kyle Hendricks, though? I still wish he was throwing harder. The last two starts uh, convinced me I need to start him again, but. I don't think he's all the way back. Okay. Uh, no, not at all. Jacob DeGrom is averaging a career-high 12.5 strikeouts per nine. He is pitching great. Uh, you, Scott, called Zach Greinke a sell-high candidate after the, the two starts against the Padres. How do you feel now? Six innings, three runs, three homers allowed, but nine strikeouts against Colorado. Uh, and that was in Arizona, for yeah. what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, pitchers, I, pitchers park extraordinaire. Not Col- but it wasn't at Colorado. He's a high candidate, un- understanding that the emphasis is on high and not on sell, which I think gets lost sometimes when we talk sell high candidates. Like you want a better pitcher than Zach Granke, who is a good pitcher. So, um, I, you know, I think a really interesting comparison is the way that we view Grinky and the way that we view Keuchel. Because if you look at their numbers, and I tweeted this out last week, Grinky's been better since the start of every year of their career, except for last year when they both sucked. Keiko didn't suck as bad as Grinky did. But right. since the start of 2013, since the start of 2014, whatever time frame you want to use, except for last year when they were both awful, Grinky's been better. I have them very close in my rankings, like 19 and 20 or 18 and 19, something like that, and I feel about the same about both of them. I think we have a better understanding of what went wrong for Keiko last year than Granky. Uh, and it was, you know, inflammation in his shoulder from the get-go. But Granky was hurt last year, too. Uh, he did spend some time on the DL, but I don't think it was No, it wasn't, it wasn't the same thing. I, that's what I don't understand, like, when we evaluate Keiko. Scott and I seem to attribute last year's problems to what Dallas Keiko said. I had a bad shoulder. I shouldn't have pitched through it. I did. And I just don't know why, like, he... So because Zach like, Grinky, who is notoriously <laughs> terse in his interviews, and yeah. just just a very diff... Because he didn't say, I was hurt before I went on the disabled list. Forget about you're him. You're not giving him credit for being hurt no. in his bad performance. Forget that's about him. You can only it, go just, with what you know. Just apply it to Keiko. I mean, that's all. Forget about it. It's not, it has nothing to do with Grinky. I have Keiko and Grinky ranked the same. Plus, Keiko's been much better. I mean, Grinky's been fine, but Keiko's been much better this year. Keiko's gonna Keiko win has been better in his six starts than Grinky has. Yes. Grinky's been very good in his six starts. Keiko, I, I guess great, uh, I was gonna say Keiko has one thing that he so very, very clearly stands out in, uh, you know. They're both kind of the same. They, they both are really good at throwing pitches that hitters shouldn't swing at, that they get them to swing at and produce weak contact anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, is Ivan Nova a must start pitcher going forward? Until he shows he's not. 
What do you think about Jeff Samarja, 82% owned? Has he gotten his ERA below eight yet? 632. <laughs> 6-0. Um, well, then. Yeah. That was my tough decision this weekend. I had to drop him in a couple leagues to add one of the many players catching my attention on waivers. I didn't really want to because I think he's going to be owned in the majority of leagues for most of the season. Uh, you know, when pitchers are dropping left and right, he's going to give you his 200 innings with a high threes ERA and be useful. But it's just upside wise, he just doesn't compare to some of what's still available out there even now. Yeah, he, he's got one like I guess the start against Arizona at home. His second start was an acceptable start. This but, last start was fine. Well, he's they good have at home. the Padres, and he right. struck out five and seven innings. Right. He's good at home, uh, Samarja. He's good in San Francisco. And, and I'm sorry to speed things up, but what do you make of what Mike Leake is doing right now? Mike Leake has a 135 ERA, five walks, 25 strikeouts, and 33 and a third. Three of his five walks came in one start. And Leake, when he was with the Reds, was always good on the road. And then he went to the Giants, and I really thought in a, that midseason trade, I thought, wow, he's going to be he's going to be really valuable, and he wasn't. Then he had a terrible year last year, and now Mike Leake is is dominating. Is he no longer just that two star pitcher that you stream? He's he's obviously got to be must own right now, Mike Leake, but is he must start? Uh, I don't I don't know that I would like if somebody dropped him today in one of my shallower leagues. I don't know that I would absolutely put in a claim for him. It's I view him a lot like I do Nova. Which really? is what? I Which mean, is, Nova... I'm not, I'm not sitting him until he has a bad start. Now, okay. granted, four of his five starts have been against the Reds, the Brewers, and the Pirates. But, that's, that's, I, I mean, the Pirates I feel have like, struggled, but. Like, Nova has one walk all year, and he has, what, four since joining the Pirates? It's like, incredible. he's doing some historic things here that Leak, I mean, Leak's pitched well. I, I think it's more of like an Irvin Santana or Jason Vargas comp for me, where, like, I don't really, Believe in him. I'm starting those guys too this week, though. Yeah, like, but I, I mean, a bad Leak, start. Leak's kind of even a step below them. Do you think Jake Arietta is just overrated? 4.66 ERA now. Um, I was a little. I was. I don't have him anywhere except in a, I think a keeper league because I was afraid of what happened with his control in the second half last year. He was not the ace I wanted to invest in. And that my stance hasn't changed on that based on the way the season has started. I think it's he has three non-quality starts already. But he hasn't been really walking guys. He did on Friday, but only eight walks in 29 innings for Arietta. So does that make you feel like he'll be able to right the ship? I mean, if somebody wanted to sell him low to me, I'd listen. It's, uh, it's not an open and shut case by any means, but I would be a little uneasy if I owned Arietta myself that you, uh, he's going to perform at the level I expected him when I drafted him. Would you rather have Keiko or Arietta? I would still rather have Arietta, but it's a very, very small gap. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one for me, but I would take Arietta. But I, you know, I guess I'm, I guess I'm the Keiko guy. Alrighty. That's, uh, that's, yeah, we talked, we talked about a lot. We got to a lot there, so let's read some emails. Uh, one more guy, real quick. Tyler Skaggs is on the DL. He's pitching pretty well, though, going, before going on the DL. Uh, is this a guy, 53% owned Tyler Skaggs, that would be a good DL stash? Maybe, maybe last year. <laughs> okay. Uh, do, maybe... do you have a league where you're not using both of your DL spots right now? Yeah, I have one. I have zero. Uh, the podcast league. I mean, I should probably put all my players on the DL for being terrible. I think can't. I think the new standard for DL spots should be four. Mm, that's a lot. I'm thinking three. I think it's worth it. Like, that's why, why does there even need to be a limit? Honestly, like because um, when the when the guy comes off the DL, you're going to have to drop somebody. So it's not like you can just stash players there forever. I feel like there should be a limit because on draft day, it would really I think it would, would really it affect, I think it would change things. I think you would have. I mean, if you, it would change things. Not, I, I don't think drastically. Like if, if, let's say you drafted all the players who were going to be on the DL to begin the year. Okay. Then, then what do you do with those free roster spots? You're, you're starting a waiver wire team. So I don't, I don't know that there's 
radically increased incentive to do that. And even if there was, it like it would just change where we draft those players who were destined for the DL. They might move up a little and, you know, there'd be more competition for them. So I think it'd be, you know, situation that the free market sorts out. Okay, I like it. Free market economy. Let's read some emails. <laughs> Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. Dan in Toronto. Hey, Adam and company. Could you please discuss Jose Ramirez? How good is Ramirez supposed to be? Would you trade Carlos Gonzalez in a keeper league for Jose Ramirez? I would not, unless there was a significant difference in what they're being kept for. Cargo's more valuable to me, and... I think Jose Ramirez is a good must-star player. I don't buy the power surge we've seen from him entirely. I'm kind of thinking in a keeper league I might. And I was I was the guy doubting Jose Ramirez coming into this year. And I agree with Scott. I don't think the power surge is necessarily real. But Carlos Gonzalez is a much more valuable asset for as long as he stays in Colorado. I don't know what the odds of that extending past this year are. Do you think I'm, you could get a better return for him than Jose Ramirez, though? I sh- sure I'd try. Not right now. <laughs> if it came down to it, like Gonzalez is, I'd I'd take Ramirez. Well, you're also selling Gonzalez at his low point. He's a very streaky player. And when he gets hot, when Carlos Gonzalez gets hot, he's, you know, he could be the best player in baseball, the best hitter in baseball for a month. Wouldn't surprise anyone. So keep that in mind. But it's an interesting trade, and Ramirez has been has been really good for sure. Uh, next email is from who? Where's your name, sir? Luke from Canton, Ohio. Dear Huey, Dewey, and Louie, in a 12-team points league, is Kelvin Herrera worth owning? With guys like Tony Watson, Greg Holland, and Bud Norris available, I'd take Greg Holland over him. I would take Gre- Greg Holland, I think, as well. You didn't read the best part of the email. Uh, the Quad A Royals may not win 50 games this year. Are you trolling your own team now? You're such a troll that you're trolling your own, the fans <laughs> no, of your that's, own that's team. No, that's a good email. I don't care if somebody's making fun of my team or your team or Adam's team. You, you have that, good that little grin you on your face. Who makes fun of my team? Uh, most of America. <laughs> the, only, the only good news for Herrera is there's a report out that the Nationals would really like to have Kelvin Herrera on their team, in which case he's a top 10 closer again. Yeah, I, I think I, I wouldn't think about dropping him for the other two, Watson or Norris. No, nope. out of here. Between the Nationals and the Diamondbacks, I think they're gonna one of them, if not both of them, is gonna trade for a closer, which means Nate Jones is somebody you should have on your radar. Once the the hey, how about the White Unless Sox? Unless Tommy Conley ends up uh, leapfrogging him there. Remember Tommy Conley? Yeah, me talking about him. That, Full yeah. circle. I don't. <laughs> uh, okay, next email is from Mitch. Mitch says, "Am I the worst?" Uh, on Saturday, I failed to get Jose Abreu and Michael Conforto in my lineup for their two homers because I was managing a t-ball game. <laughs> Yesterday, I decided to bench Anthony Rendon because it was Thor and he had been horrible. Am I the worst? <laughs> no, Adam's the worst, but you did a bad job. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that, but I was going to say the same thing. I am the worst. I cost myself three categories in a 7 by 7 category league by sitting... Not on purpose, just because I forgot to set my lineup in time. Justin Verlander in one of, in a daily lineup league, and that's the frustrating part about daily lineup leagues. It's my fault. It's not the league's fault. But yeah, I missed it. I sat him, and I lost strikeouts, probably ERA and WHIP. I think I would have won all three. Now, don't you, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but no. at the beginning of the week, no. I like to go through and set my lineup. Now, I'll still check yeah. it every morning, yeah, but I, I still should. set my lineup at the beginning of the week, so that doesn't happen. I should, yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, that's what I do. And I sometimes I don't even check it, to be honest. And like you, what, It doesn't have as uh, the negative consequences you'd expect. Like I, I tend to do well in the le- these leagues doing that. I'm leading the one I'm in now, um, where, you know, if you just don't think about checking one day, like if you set it at the beginning of the week... Yeah, you're, you're, you may be just fine. Oh, I got absolutely destroyed in that league. Uh, this is from Adam. Who has more dynasty value, Carlos Correa or Corey Seager? Yeah. Uh, I'd rather have Seager, but it's it's not far from being a coin flip. Sano or Bregman? Sano. I still like Bregman more. Okay. Sano and his 225 strikeout pace. I still have... Uh, Maybe he'll be Cyrus Davis, but a lot of players 
who strike out that much fall short of that. Ren, don't be fooled again. Just wanted to, just wanted to give you a little bit more of the who. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Monday show. We'll be back with another fun-filled baseball podcast tomorrow. See you later. See ya.